0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you, Bobby. It's very encouraging to me to know that I've got people in, in, in leadership positions that are gifted and capable and love the Lord. And so we're, we're in a really good place, very excited about what the Lord's doing, moving forward. Let me pray for us now and we're going to jump right in. Father, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to study your Word, Lord, to open up the truth of Scripture. I pray that as we do that, you would just speak very clearly through our hearts. Father, help us to be attentive, to understand, to, to listen. And then I pray like we do every Sunday, Father, through the power of your Spirit, we could understand and hear and be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Well, as some of you are aware, for the last couple of weeks, I've been preaching kind of a mini-sermon series on the Legacy Project. The point of this sermon series is for you just to kind of prepare your hearts to understand a little bit more about what we're doing, about what the giving ought to look like, and and just for you to kind of be prepared and be in prayer, trusting the Lord. And we've walked through 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we've pulled out some truth. We've talked about being generous in our giving. We've talked about being willing to give. And last week, we touched on this idea of sacrificial giving, and it was kind of based on 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, where we're talking about the Lord, and it talks about though He was rich for. Our sake, he became poor so that through his poverty we could gain riches. And we talked about what that means and the idea of how Jesus gave his life and sacrificed for us. And so we're going to kind of continue that idea of sacrificial giving this morning and what sacrificial giving ought to look like. But instead of being in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I want to draw your attention this morning to Exodus chapter 11. So if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you and invite you to open up to Exodus chapter 11. Now it's going to be a few minutes before we get. Get there You can go ahead and open up and be ready. Before we do that though, I want to start with kind of another foundational truth. You may remember that over the last couple of weeks, one of the things that I wanted to do is we talked about uh, generous giving, being willing to give, sacrificial giving. I always started each sermon by saying, certainly it's about money and there's financial ramifications in what we're reading in this text, but it's a lot more than just money. And so we started every week by talking about the idea of being generous in ways other than your finances. Like, how are you generous as a believer with your time? How are you generous with your kindness? How are you generous with the words that you use? Are you willing to serve the Lord in all things? And so, kind of to keep that same idea moving forward, we're going to talk about sacrificial giving in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I want to give you just a basic Christian principle, back it up with some scripture that we can build upon as we move through and understand what's going on in the book of Exodus. So I'm going to give you the truth first. Then we're going to walk through a few passages of scripture to help us better understand. Here's the first truth I want you to see. Number one the Christian walk should be characterized by sacrifice. So, so as a believer, part of your walk in the Lord ought to revolve around this idea of sacrifice. Because the Bible talks on many different occasions, many different places through Scripture, it helps us understand that as we live for Christ, one of the things we ought to be doing is sacrificing for Him. So I've pulled out some Scripture, and I'm going to give you a few, and I'm going to give you some kind of main ideas, and we're going to walk through these quickly, but I want to build, first of all, just a foundation of understanding, before we even talk about money, that your life as a believer ought to be characterized by sacrifice, one of the first things in Scripture we see, areas of our lives that we should sacrifice, is with our words and our speech. We have these on the screen as well. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says this, Through Him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. We should be willing to sacrifice our words and our speech for the things of Christ. And let me tell you what that means. Like we're, we're good about coming in on Sunday morning, going to our Bible study, Sunday school class, maybe even a Wednesday night class. We're good about in those moments using our lips to praise the Lord. But then sometimes we show up at work Monday morning and maybe the praise of the Lord is not the first thing that comes off our lips. Right, we should be willing in the things we say to give that to the Lord. We should be willing to sacrifice our words, our speech, and the the words of Scripture, our lips, our tongue, our mouth, for the sake of the gospel. We should be speaking life to people. Did you know that? You ever find yourself complaining? I have have three daughters in my household. We use the word whining quite a bit during the course of a week. You ever find yourself whining about something? (coughs) You ever find yourself being negative, about you're at work and you're negative? How about speaking lies, sacrificing those words for the sake of the gospel? Like, yeah, I know that's a struggle for you. And I remember I used to deal with something like that. And then I prayed and the Lord really revealed this to me through his word. Here's what I do with it now. What if we sacrificed our words for the sake of the gospel and spoke life? Here's another way we can sacrifice in the Christian walk. The second thing, we could sacrifice our bodies. Like Romans chapter 12 Verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Right, so, so what we do with our bodies ought to glorify the Lord. So let me just kind of go ahead and tell you. I'm going to upset a couple of you over the next couple of minutes and some things I'm going to say with this. But here's some things we've to be asking ourselves. Students, when we're with our boyfriend or our girlfriend, are we using our bodies to glorify the Lord? Do we use our bodies, adults and students as well, if maybe we have some sort of addiction that we struggle with, are we using our bodies in those moments to glorify the Lord? Do we try to be healthy in what we do in order to glorify the Lord? Right, the Lord says, "This is His temple, right? He's given us this body. We should use it for His glory. Like what are we doing to glorify the Lord with the bodies that He has given us? A third way we can sacrifice is our thoughts. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse five says, "We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ." We were sitting around this week and one of my kids made this interesting comment. They said, wouldn't it be neat if there was a machine that you could hook up to your brain and it recorded your thoughts and then at the end of the week it played them all back on a big screen? I was like, uh... (laughs) Like, you're not hooking me up to that machine. Sounds cool until we start thinking, you know, my thoughts are not always pure, right? Christ says we need to be willing to sacrifice those things. Sacrifice our thoughts for the sake of Christ. And then the final, kind of the big picture when we see over and over Scripture is we should be able and willing to sacrifice our lives. Like it all stems, and we said this word, it all stems from the sacrifice Christ made on the cross for us. As a believer, at some point you should come to this place, this realization of saying, you know what? Christ gave this for me, I'm willing to give this for Him. He sacrificed all this for me. I'm now willing to sacrifice for Him. And so there ought to be this foundation in our walk as a believer. There ought to be this foundation as a Christian to sacrifice in our speech, our bodies, our thoughts, our lives, and everything we do, we ought to sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom of God. Now certainly one of the ways we see in Scripture that we can sacrifice is through our finances. And so I want to spend a few minutes showing you some interesting truth in the Old Testament that the Lord has shown us and revealed us that will help us understand this idea of sacrificial giving. Now before I do that, I'm going to give you the second truth because I want you to know the truth before we walk through the Scripture and actually show it to you. But I want you to see it first, then we're going to explain it as we go. So here's truth number two. God blesses us so we can give back for the sake of His kingdom and then bless others. So the truth, the biblical truth, I'm going to point it out to you in just a second. I'm going to to demonstrate this to you biblically. God blesses us so we can in turn give back or sacrifice for the sake of his kingdom and in turn bless others. Now there are three things I've written down here. I want to read them to you so I don't mess them up. Bullet points that I've written down about blessings. Here's the first one. You are never blessed so you can hoard things up. Did you know that? That's not why the Lord blesses you. You are never blessed so you can just have more than everybody else. You are never blessed just so you will be happy. There is always a bigger picture. God always blesses you and provides for you so that you in turn can give back to His kingdom and bless others with what He has given you. Now, in order to demonstrate that, I want to show you just kind of a fascinating section in the book of Exodus that will help us explain this. Now, you're already open to Exodus chapter 11. Let me give you just a little bit of background. Then we're going to read some of these verses together. You may remember the people of Israel had been enslaved in Egypt. So for 400 years they lived in Egyptian slavery. They got there through Joseph at the end of the book of Genesis, right? Joseph goes and he brings his family. Uh, They multiply and after 400 years they're enslaved. They've been living in the country of Egypt. They've been wanting to get out but they can't get out. The Lord has heard their cries. You remember the story. He calls Moses. Moses goes to Pharaoh and he sends 10 plagues. You probably remember the story. At this point in our study, in Exodus chapter 11, God has already sent nine of the ten plagues. One more to go. Now, look at screen with me, Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Now, don't pull up the second verse yet. Keep that right there. Don't look at verse 2. Right. look up for just a second because I want you to see this in just a second. Now, God has just given Moses this incredible call. He's kind of painted this picture for Moses. Listen, I've sent these plagues. It's been rough. You've been in captivity for 400 years. One more to go and when I give it to you, you're free, right? That's a big deal, all right, this is kind of the, the, the culmination of, of hundreds of years worth of prophecy, worth of slavery. Big deal. I kind of would expect at this moment for the Lord to say, Listen, when you are freed, go out into the wilderness and worship me. Trust me. I will be your God. You will be my people. Kind of a, a big picture approach to what's going on. Because this is a big deal that the Lord has just told Moses this. Right? Now, having understood what we just said, I want you to now look at verse 2. Look at the very next next thing the lord says to moses speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry that's very interesting to me so just watch with me for a second what's going on right god says listen i'm about to free you you've been enslaved for 400 years you've been in captivity You've been working and and slaving and trying to get free and nothing has worked. I've sent all these plagues. I'm going to now free you. I'm going to do it in such a manner with the death angel and the the blood of the lamb and the Passover that the people, the Jewish people, will celebrate for centuries this event. This is a big deal. This final play is going to free you. You go out into the wilderness. And oh, by the way, before you leave, ask the neighbor for his gold watch. That's just very strange to me. It's sort of anticlimactic, really. Like that's that's it. Like go ask them for their gold and silver. That's that's a strange sort of thing. But let's keep tracking. Now let's just kind of keep thinking through this, right? So God sends the death angel. All the people are killed. Uh, the Israelites are told at this moment by the Egyptians, listen, we've had enough, it's time for you to get out. So now pick up in Exodus 12, just flip over to the next chapter, verse 33. We have it on the screen for you as well. Exodus chapter 12, verse 33. So the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. In other words, hey, just get out. We've had enough of the Israelites. The plagues have been too much. The final plague, the death angel killed all the firstborn. Just get out and do it quickly. For they said, we shall all be dead. Verse 34. So the people, these are the Israelites, took their dough before it was leavened. Their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks and on their shoulders. Right? They, they, they left before the bread was basically leavened. Now we don't, we don't, in our society, for the most part, make our own bread. Some of you may have kind of done that for fun. But you probably know this. You take the dough, you add the yeast. After a period of time, the bread rises and you bake it. They were in such a hurry to get out, they didn't want to let the bread rise. They didn't want to add the yeast. So they cooked the flatbread and took it with them. It's the same thing they still do to celebrate Passover today. That's why they eat unleavened bread. Now pick up in verse 35. So the people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians... For silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they, what's the word right there? Plundered the Egyptians. That's a bad word if you're, if you're an Egyptian in this very moment. That the Israelites plundered. They took everything. Like, hey, we're we're getting out of town, the plagues have done their work, you're sending us out and we're taking all your gold and all your silver and all the stuff that we want to take with us when we go. Now this is interesting because this is the Lord's plan. One of the fascinating things about this study, and kind of how I'd never connected these dots until I started studying and praying through this this week, the Lord had already told the people of Israel this was going to happen. In fact, if you were to go back, you don't have to look at it. We we may have it on the screen. Genesis 15, verse 13. As the Lord is speaking to Abram hundreds and hundreds of years before, he says, The Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that's not theirs and will be servants there, right? He's prophesying about their captivity in Egypt. They will be afflicted for 400 years. He's telling them before it ever happened, here's what's going to happen. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Right? So God had a plan hundreds and hundreds of years before the event took place in the book of Exodus we just studied about. God had a plan from the beginning to allow the people of Israel to walk out of Egypt with their pockets loaded down with gold and silver. Now here's the interesting thing. God always has a plan. Like I look back on my life and some of you may may know my story and if you're interested I'll be happy to talk with you in more detail but I never considered being a pastor growing up. Never one time. My dad is in ministry, has been in ministry his entire life. It never even dawned on me to go to ministry. And so when I was in college, I worked with kids. I worked with elementary, middle, and high school students. I worked out at Pineland for a while. Uh, I worked at Camp Viola. Summertime, I worked at Rockridge. And so my entire college career was spent working with kids. And so when I walked into a classroom after I graduated college to teach for the first time, I already understood what those kids were thinking. God had prepared my heart for that moment. Then I taught school for nine or ten years. And when I stood up here to preach, I remembered, this is how you prepare, this is how you study, this is how you pre- present information. I understood teaching because the Lord had prepared me. Right? God is always preparing and working in your heart for what he wants to accomplish in your life somewhere down the road. And When it comes to financial stuff and money, as we see here, the money and the blessings that God has given to you are to be used for a bigger purpose than just personal enjoyment and satisfaction. So now we've got these Israelites. This is interesting now. Just kind of, let's track along together, right? We've got these Israelites that have been loaded down with gold and silver clothing, the Bible says. Probably just a lot of other stuff. My guess is the Israelites just took whatever they wanted when they left. They walk out into the wilderness, piled full of gold and silver. So the question becomes now, okay, what are they going to do with the gold and the silver? What are they going to do walking through the wilderness? By the way, there's no 7-Eleven store out there. There's no Walmart. There's no Belk. They can't just go spend this money. What are they going to do with the gold and the silver that the Lord has given them? Now, you may remember the story. I'm not going to read it to you. I'm going to give you kind of just the details. Exodus chapter 32. We're compressing about 500 years into about 10 minutes, so just stay with me, okay? Exodus 32, Moses goes up on the mountain, Mount Sinai. God calls him up. He goes up and he gives him the Ten Commandments. Right on the tablets written by the finger of God. Now while Moses is on the mountain, you probably remember the Israelites down in the valley got restless. Moses has been gone for a while now. It's been many days, a few weeks. Apparently he's left us, they said. He doesn't care anything about us. He's not a good leader. Let's create for ourselves something we can worship to become our God. So they go to their leaders and they say, We want to create a God that we can worship. The leaders, Aaron at the time, said to the people, Great, we'll build this false idol and we'll make it out of gold and silver. Interesting, isn't it? So he says, listen, you bring all this gold that, he didn't say it like this, he should have, you bring all this gold that God gave to you, we're going to melt it down, we're going to make this golden calf. Isn't it interesting that sometimes we squander the the blessings of the Lord on our own pleasure? It's fascinating to me. God says to these people, listen, I'm going to give you gold and silver and clothing, you're going to Plunder, what an incredible word to use. You're going to plunder the Egyptians. I've got a very specific plan for you one day. And oh, by the way, if you just trust me, you'll be blessed. And instead they said, we can't wait. We know you've blessed us. We're going to use this on worldly possessions. Is it possible sometimes that God blesses us with great riches so we can in turn use it to bless Him and to honor Him and instead we choose to spend it on ourselves? I think that happens all the time. I think we look at these people who create this golden calf and we think, how in the world could they be so foolish? And yet we do the same thing every day, don't we? God said, I'm going to give you all of this stuff for a purpose now. And He said, you're going to squander it on a golden calf. Now fast forward. Now there's still a purpose here, right? There's still a purpose. Exodus chapter 35. Let's skip on ahead. God has said to the people of Israel, now listen, it's time for us to build a tabernacle. It's time for us to build, it was basically a tent in the desert. But for them, it represented the first kind of permanent location where they could worship, where the Lord would dwell. It was a big deal for them in their process of growing and understanding the Lord more. And so in Exodus 35 verse 4, I think we have it on the screen. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded, right? So here's the command of the Lord. Verse 5, take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. What's the first thing on the list? Gold. God says, listen, guys, I gave you all this stuff. You plundered the people of Egypt. I provided for you. I gave I gave you gold and silver and clothing and everything you could possibly want. I gave it to you for a very specific reason because God says I knew before the creation of the world, but I told Abraham hundreds of years ago that when you left Egypt, I was going to give you all this stuff, all these possessions. The reason I gave it to you now is so you can give it back to me, you can tribute it back to the Lord. You can be honored, you can be blessed. The Lord will be honored, the Lord will be blessed and he He will receive glory through the process. It's just a fascinating understanding of how the Lord gives us blessings so we can in turn give it back to Him in a a moment of worship. I remember when my kids were, were little and Christmas would roll around and they're a little bit older now so they can maybe have a little side job or save up a little money on their own. But Christmas would roll around and they were little and they wanted to buy each other presents and they wanted to buy mom and dad presents. Oh, they're too little to have any money, so we gave them money. That's what, that's what parents do. We give them a little money, and we take them to the store, and they buy their brother or their sister's a little gift, and they would always buy mom and dad a present. Now, think about the logic just for a second here with me. Now, I gave my kid 20 bucks so he can turn around and buy me a present with that money. It's kind of silly, isn't it? Like, you know, why would we do that? We do that because we understand that it brings them joy, and it brings me joy, doesn't it? just a neat process to be part of that thing. They're giving, and they've received, and they're blessing, and it's just this fun, neat sort of... Now imagine if I'd woken up Christmas morning excited about what was going to happen, and my kids, when it's their turn to give their presents, said, you know, we didn't get you anything, Dad. We pocketed that 20 bucks instead. We're going to go buy some candy with it. What? What? I wouldn't have been real happy about that. I gave you this money for a very specific purpose. Now you're going to squander it on candy? Now watch, this is important. In that moment, it has nothing to do with the $20. It's just 20 bucks. It has everything to do with their heart and their joy and my heart and my joy. See, the Lord doesn't need any of our money. Did you know that? That's the interesting secret about giving and capital campaigns. He really didn't need any of this. I promise you, I promise you, when it's all said and done, his kingdom will grow. The only real question is, do we have the privilege of being part of it? Because he says, listen, I'm giving you, I'm sacrificing, I'm willing to, to entrust you with all these blessings. All you got to do is be willing to give it back for the sake of the kingdom. Now I want you to notice what happens here. We're, we're running low on time, but I want to give you kind of the final truth, and then I'm going to walk through some scripture to show it to you. Here, here's truth number three. In this particular moment, everybody sacrificed something. Right? Think about it like this. Everybody had gotten something. When they walked out of Egypt, God had lined their pockets with gold. Everybody had gotten something, so God expects now everybody to give something back. Now, I'm going to read a few verses we have them on the screen. I want you to notice all the times the word all or every are used. The word all and the word every are going to be used multiple times in these next few verses. Listen with me as we read it together. Look at verse 20 of Exodus 35. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses... And they and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service for the holy garments. Verse twenty-two. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings, signet rings, armlets, all sorts of gold objects, all that they got from Egypt. By the way, that God had given to them. Every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair, all things that they could make, tanned ram skins or goatskins, skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it to the Lord's contribution as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed a Katie wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands. And they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen. All the women whose heart stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And they, spi- they used spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. In verse 29, all the men and women, the people of Israel whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord." I mean, multiple times the Lord says all, the Lord says every person, the Lord says every man, the Lord says everyone. Do you think God wants us to know that everybody gave something? God kind of paints this picture for us right here. God says, listen, I'm going to bless every family. I want every family to listen to me, to trust me, and as I move in their hearts, I want them to be willing to sacrifice for me. That's the call of the Lord in our lives. When we think about all the blessings that God has given to us, all the ways in which he's provided for us, it ought to lead us to this place to ask the question, Lord, what can I sacrifice for you? Now here's what some of you will do. You'll say, you know what, I get that, I understand it in my mind, I understand it, but I just don't think I can be a part. I just don't think I can give, I just don't think I can sacrifice. I'd I'd like to read a text for you I got from a person in our church this week. I'm not going to tell you who it was but I told the story last week about Amy and I and, and some of you were here and, and probably heard about when we were younger and didn't have a lot of money weren't quite sure how we were going to pay all the bills and we kind of came together and prayed about it and the Lord led us to give more to the church and so we went from giving 10% to 15 and sometimes 20% of our income to the church for a number of months when we were younger and God always blessed us We never went without food, we never went without paying our bills. God just blessed us and he led us to that. And I got a text this week and it said, I just wanted to thank you for sharing the story about you and Amy at the 11 o'clock service. When you opened the service and talked about the Legacy Project, I immediately dismissed it and said we won't be able to do this because I already feel like we're somewhat stretched thin with our finances. And when you said in the sermon that you felt like the Lord was leading you to tell that story, I knew it was for me. As I listened, tears streamed down my face because I knew he was talking to me and that we needed to be involved on some level. Thank you for being obedient and sharing that story because without it, we wouldn't be challenged to truly sacrifice in our giving. Like I said from the beginning, this is not a financial decision. Like as I walk through this personally, I'm not looking at my checkbook. I'm looking into my heart. Lord, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to sacrifice? How do you want me to be generous? How how do you want me to be involved in this process of giving to the kingdom? Lord, you've given it all to me anyway. It's all yours. All you're asking me to do is give a portion back, Lord. And when I do that, I receive joy. You're honored. I'm honored. You receive praise, honor, and glory. That's my prayer for you. Trust the Lord. Seek the Lord. Allow him to speak to you for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for this just incredible passage of scripture in the book of Exodus, Lord, as you gave to these Israelite people. You gave with a very specific purpose, Father. They squandered some of it. They sinned against you, but you still, in your sovereignty and wisdom and glory, gave them the chance, Father, to commit this back to you as they built the tabernacle. Father, I pray that that idea of sacrificial giving would just resonate in our hearts. Father, we trust you more. We would seek you more. Lord, I pray for this process, this capital campaign. Lord, we we understand it's about money. We know we have to raise a certain amount of dollars to build this, Father. But I pray it would become so much more than just money, Lord. I pray it would be about our hearts. That we wouldn't look at it as a financial decision but as a spiritual decision. Lord, we just want to trust you. We want to grow in our faith. We want to deepen our walk. We want to trust you more. Stir our hearts, Father, so we can trust you and give you everything you called us to give for the sake of your kingdom. We love you. We serve you in all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. Altar is open. Opportunity for you to come and pray or speak to me, but it's your chance to respond as we sing together. You come. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the contact us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.